Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. That's why we don't give him the mic very often, you know? I'm just kidding. He should probably have it more. Y'all are amazing. Can I see hands of new people again? We just love new people. You guys are amazing. And at the first service, it's pretty incredible. Hey, uh, as my husband mentioned, my name is Nicole. I'm one of the associate pastors and planters here. Uh, if, if you're family, you know this. If you're new, you probably don't know, but a lot of our leadership team is out this week just going after their dreams and family vacations. Um, so they'll be trickling back in over the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, you'll get to meet the rest of our, our team if you're new here. So welcome. A little housekeeping. We have amazing Portola coffee that's free in the back. And then our restrooms are over to the right. Um, I really wanted to share what I think will be relatively a short message today. But who knows, sometimes I say that and then I go long and sometimes I say I have a long message and Lord's like, yeah, you don't need to say all that, Nicole. Um, But the Lord's been speaking to me about his presence and a fiery faith. His presence and the fiery faith that is within us. And it was so funny, before service, we'll, we'll go into this VIP room, which oftentimes smells like lots of things that aren't very important. Um, and we just kind of get together as a team, a worship team and a leadership team, and we just declare what we want to see God do, and we just give him praise, and we just hang out with one another. And so I asked the team this morning, I said, uh, what are you guys feeling? What do you think God's going to do? Uh, and, and they kept saying uh, stuff about fire. I thought, y'all are so prophetic. Y'all don't even know what I'm going to teach on. You are so prophetic. And so I really do believe that God has appointed me this morning to share a word, um, to not only bring freedom in this place, but but to bring hope to your hearts. And so I'm going to be reading from Daniel chapter 3. If you want to turn there with me. It's a lot of scripture this morning, and I'm Southern, and Holy Ghost might be brown. So the way I read, you're going to have to keep up. All right, so Daniel 3, we're going to start in in verse 8. We're going to go through 18 here. I am reading from the NRSV. People like to ask what we read from. I normally try to read in a couple different versions, to be honest, but this is the NRSV. It says this. Accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and the entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and the entire musical ensemble, fall down and worship the statue that I have made well and good. But 
If you do not worship, you shall immediately, everybody say immediately, be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that would deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O oh, king, let him deliver us. But if not, everybody say, but if not. Say it again, but if not. Say it one more time, but if not. Circle it, highlight it. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Now, I want you to keep your fingers there in that piece of scripture because we're gonna come back to it. But there's a few things y'all need to know historically about the context of this. Y'all know I get kind of nerdy, so just go with me for a minute. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego raised in Israel and are uprooted from their home and put in Babylon. Now, Babylon was cray, 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 cray. It was crazy place. It was a secular world. There was lots of insane things going on. And these three boys were uprooted from home, placed right smack dab in the middle of this insane place. And Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, along with Daniel, when you read through the book, which I suggest, continue to find favor in the land. Now, who knows favor follows those who are faithful. Favor will follow those who are faithful. If you're looking for favor, if you want an increase in favor, if you want God's favor, be faithful to the Father. And I believe that it will follow you. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had become governors of this area. They've gotten real close and tight with the important people in the town. And King Nebuchadnezzar was a little crazy also. And, and he decided he was gonna create this 90-foot gold statue. And he was all dramatic. Y'all got people in your life like that? They're real dramatic. He had to have a drum, a lyre, a trigon. A, I'm like, what is a trigon? I don't even know. Does anybody know? Not me. He, he creates this huge musical ensemble. And so if you're like walking around Babylon, you're going to the grocery, picking up your kids from childcare, and this music starts, you are to immediately get down and worship his idol. So everybody knows when, that, when you hear that music, you have no excuse. It is a law of the land. You are to get down and worship that idol. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, though been tested many of times. This book is incredible. You guys got to go back and read the, the whole thing. They decide they're not going to bow down. They're going to be faithful unto their God. And so though they keep rising in position in this area, they stay faithful to God. Who knows this morning that y'all can rise in your workplace, in your secular places, and still have the favor of God upon your life. In fact, if you're not rising in your workplace, if you're not being promoted, if people aren't looking to you like you're the light of the world, like Matthew says, there might be an issue. We are called to be lights in the secular world. So I wanna pick up, okay, verse 19. The Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. I love that scripture says that. He was mad. <laughs> he had one of those ugly faces, like after five miles you're running, like he had that kind of face. He ordered the furnace, 
to be heated up seven times more than normal. And then he ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, other garments. I also love the scripture says that. They still had their clothes on. They were bound up with their clothes on. And then they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, was it not three men that we bound and threw into the fire? They answered to the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire, and they don't look hurt. And the fourth, that fourth person has the appearance of God. Some versions say an angel. Others say the fourth is like the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Their hair on their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, language that utters blasphemy against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb to limb. And their house laid in ruins for there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the land of Babylon. If that's not exciting, you guys, I don't know what is. They're literally standing in the face of death. They're in the king's courts. They're tight with them. They rub elbows with them. But they've decided they're going to stay faithful to their God. And so they're standing in front of the king. All these guards have brought them. They say, well, these three guys aren't bowing down to your idol. And you have everybody bowing down to your idol. What are you going to do about it? And his face is all distorted and he gets all weird. And he says, oh, to the furnace you go. And immediately, if, if, if you don't know what kind of furnace they had, it wasn't like a small fireplace. It was, it was kind of like a, a size of a small room, maybe a medium room. It's a large area. And so when they get tossed in there, bound up, they get freed and they're walking around with a fourth man. See, some of y'all last night watched two people fight, and you cheered on your favorite person. But this morning, I'm going to preach about a God who fights on behalf of you, and he wins every time. 
He wins every time. So I'm gonna need y'all to get some more coffee. I'm gonna need y'all to wake up, get some Holy Ghost language on y'all's tongue this morning because we have a God who fights on behalf of you, who walks with you, who doesn't leave you, who unbounds you and lets you freely have your way. And then he takes you up out of the fire. He puts you in front of the authority that placed you in that place. He gives you authority over that place and he promotes you. Amen. Somebody needs to, somebody needs to give God some praise. He's our fourth man. Everybody say fourth man. He's our fourth man. He's our fourth man. See, the enemy's greatest goal is to get you to think you're alone. He wants you to think you're by yourself. He wants you to think you're the only one going through X, Y, and Z. He wants you to think it's, it's only your marriage that's not thriving. He wants you to think your kids are the only kids not following the Lord. He wants you to think that God's not with you. And you can't get through it by yourself. But you got a fourth man. You got a fourth man whom is with you. I want to read something. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. The book of Genesis. The book of Genesis says that we are the seed of a woman crushing the serpent's head. The book of Exodus says that he is a sacrificial lamb. The book of Leviticus says that he is the high priest. The book of Numbers, that he is the pillar by day and pillar by fire at night. The book of Deuteronomy says he's your prophet. Joshua, your salvation. Judges, your judge and lawgiver. Ruth, your redeemer. First and second Samuel, your trusted prophet. First and second Kings, ruler of one nation. First and second Chronicles, your reigning king. Ezra, your faithful one. Nehemiah, your rebuilder of the broken. Esther, your promoter and your intercessor. Job, your ever-living one. Psalms, your shepherd. Ecclesiastes, your riches. Song of Solomon, the bridegroom. Isaiah, the prince of peace. Jeremiah, your branch. Lamentations, your prophet. Ezekiel, the glory of God. And Daniel, your fourth man. Your fourth man. If you're in here this morning, we're going to do an altar call at the end. But I want you to just be sitting right now. And I want you to meditate upon the fourth man. Upon him in your life. Listen, church, the one thing that, that I get when I read Daniel 3, I get a lot of things. I just got blasted all week reading this. I'm like, this isn't even fair, God. I'm not, I'm not even going to have it together like the good pastors, you know. <laughs> but I read this, and I thought, these are the type of men we need to be like. We need to be fireproof. When something comes up in our life, we need to be fireproof. We need to be right in the thick of the heat and the pressure and not be bound up, but walking freely with the fourth man. Because the truth is, yeah, amen. Y'all are allowed to clap and give God glory all morning. The truth is, when pressure is on, that's when you realize what you believe. When it gets hot, when times get tough, when there's tension, Somebody once asked me, they said, Nicole, how, how do I know if I'm following the Lord and if I really believe in him? I said, well, well, what do you do when you're going through a tough time? Who do you pray to? Do you pray? Who do you talk about? What do you fill your mind with? 
Because when the pressure gets hot, when you're faced with opposition, when you're faced with that furnace of fire and you've got an option to either bow down to a false idol in your life or stay steadfast and know that he's created you fireproof, you will soon realize what you truly believe. (laughs) I'll never forget about four and a half years ago, um, I started doing CrossFit. Any CrossFitters? We literally have a gym in our garage right now, okay? And my husband made this, like, what are you calling it? Bohemoth? Bohemoth? It's like this crazy, like, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but there's like a rope. How tall is it? 16 feet. Y'all, we rent. We don't own our home. And my husband's done got some concrete, some 16-foot kind of contraption in the backyard. There's a rope on one side, some ring rows on the other side. I'm like, the HOA is going to call us any day, and they're going to tell us we need to kindly move away. (laughs) But so I started CrossFit about four and a half years ago. And they had these weekly challenges at this gym. Now, if y'all know me, I'm super competitive. I don't back down to any challenge. Even if I can't do it, I'm in. Even if I never heard of it, I'm like, oh, I can do that for sure. 300 pounds? Oh, I got this. <laughs> like, it's a gift, and it's, always, it's also a curse. <laughs> so I walk into the gym, and, and we'd been doing a, a month of challenges. And, and I walk in, and they say, hey, this week's challenge is 100 wall balls, like 15 or 20-pound ball, unbroken. Now, for those of you that don't CrossFit, I'm going to explain something real quick, okay? I was going to bring, like, the wall ball, and I was like, that's too much. But you hold this ball that is heavy. It's like 15 or 20 pounds. You feel like it's 45 or 100. You hold it. You do a full squat, not those sissy squats, not like right here, like below parallel, okay? Below parallel. Then you toss this ball up to this target. If you don't hit the target, it doesn't count. There's like a little circle that you have to hit every time. It's like, so not only do I have to be athletic and strong, but I have to have some kind of like eye to hit that target. And then you catch the ball, you go back down into a full squat, and then you come back up. And so that would be one. It's like eight workouts in one. That's CrossFit, hashtag CrossFit. So I'm like, I got this. Yeah, put me in. I'd done like five wall balls before. Put me in, 100 unbroken. Unbroken, by the way, means you can't stop. There's no like two second break in between. It's like, that's how fast they want you to go. That's unbroken. So I'm like, how many you've done before? Oh, you've done this before? I've done five before. I'm good. Let's do this. (laughs) Come work out with me. It's a lot of fun. So, So I get up to the wall and there's like a coach watching me and counting, which is kind of humiliating, but they have to make sure you don't cheat. And so I get going and I'm, I'm in like 10, I get to like maybe 12 and I drop that ball. Like, I didn't even make it to 15. I just got to 12, 13, something like that. Drop it. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can totally do this. I'm going to try again. So you can go as many times as you want. So I go again. This time I get to like 15 or 20, and that ball comes crashing down on my face. The nose, the mouth, all the CrossFitters in the room, you're like, I've been there, I've done that. Like, it was ugly. Talk about a distorted face. My face was distorted for days, okay? So now I'm, like, really humiliated, you know? And my husband, like, manages this ginormous gym. And I'm like, great, I'm, the, I'm that wife. You know, y'all know what I mean? I'm that wife. And so now there's, like, eight or nine people watching me. It, I've become, like, a show. Like, Paris's wife can't even do 20 wall balls. You just see she like busted her face. I'm like thinking my nose is bleeding. Like I don't even know. 
Then these two ladies come from across the gym, come running over. Oh, you can totally do this. We'll do it with you. And I'm like, I'm out. I've done did like 50 total. I'm like, no, you guys are so sweet. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm already late. I got to get home. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to do this together. You can do this. Remember last week when you did that one thing and you didn't think you could, blah, blah, blah. And they're like super encouraging. Y'all know those like real positive people. You're like, stop being positive. I can't do this. But I can't leave because they're like, no, we're going to do it with you. You know what? We'll do it with you. I'm like, you already did 100 unbroken today. What do you mean you're going to do them again? Now I really look like an idiot. I can't get through the first 100 by myself. You're going to do another set. Okay, thank you, guys. So now like an entire gym is watching me. The coach is watching me. He's like this with his pad. Like, serious, I'm not making that up. So they do these wall balls with me. And believe it or not, I don't know how, but I got through it. I got through it. And, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks. Y'all are so sweet. And, and for the rest of the, the challenge month, those ladies came over and they did it with me. No matter what the challenge was, five things, 20 things, 100 things, they got really crazy in there. CrossFit people, whoo but they came over and they did it with me every time. And they say, hey, when are you gonna come in? When are you gonna do that challenge this week? We're gonna do it with you so you're not alone. And there's something that changes when you know you're not in it alone. There's something that changes when you know you're not having to truck alone. You're not trying to go after something alone. There's just something that changes it. I never wanna work out alone. I hate it. I'm taking applications. If any of y'all want to work out with me, I've already made myself look like a fool. Come on over. You'll fit right in. But if I have to work out by myself, I'm done. You put somebody else in there, and I'm like, competition, let's do this. I don't want to do anything alone. And the truth is, like, God created community so you wouldn't have to do anything alone. But God is always with you in every circumstance, in every trial, in every issue, in every walk of life, you're not alone. You have the fourth man at all times. And so he's been speaking to me about his presence and about this fiery faith and being just those two being married and living life aware of his presence and walking with a fiery faith that will not bow down to anything but to him. As a Christ follower, there are things we shouldn't bow down to. And we get placed, we have these options all the time. We get placed in front of people where we get a choice. There's just some gossip you just don't bow down to. There's some relationships you just don't bow down to. There's some fear and some lies and some extracurricular activities you just don't bow down to. Because you know who you are, and you know whose you are. And I just wonder, there's a lot of religions rising up, y'all, and they have a 90-foot false god. And I have people come and they knock on my door, and I bring them in. Paris is like, oh gosh, here she goes again. I'm like, come on in. Yeah, I don't know anything. Come sit down in my living room. Tell me all about your god. But we've got to be believers who know who we are, what we were created and designed to bow down to, and what we weren't. 
We have got to stop bowing down to things of the world and start thinking about things of heaven. I hate seeing people walk through tough times and it's like the worst thing to walk with your friends and especially as a pastor, getting phone calls day after day of people just going through things and I, I, I hate that for them. But y'all know what I love to see? I love seeing people persevere in the midst of fire and just giving them praise. I love it. It literally makes me giddy. I'm like, oh, yeah, devil? Cool, they're just going to worship more. Oh, yeah, devil? You're just going to get them to church. Oh, yeah, devil? You're just going to get them around more community? Cool. You literally walk on the serpent's head every single time you give worship and you bow down to the Father in the midst of your trials. Scripture says you have authority over the enemy. Stop listening to him. Stop walking around like he has more authority and power than you. He does not. It's not the gospel. But I love, it's like the famous quote of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when they say, but even if. Whew. Last night, I was just reading this before I went to bed and I just like laid out on the floor like, God, but even if, what if we became a community that we just said, but even if, but even if God doesn't do what we expected him to do, we're going to still worship the king. But even if he doesn't deliver us in the way we thought he was going to deliver us, we're still going to worship him. And when y'all send your prayer chain letters and your text messages and you're talking with your prayer group, you're going to say, but even if, hey, can you pray for me to da, 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 because, but even if. I'm still going to worship him. You know, we love a good quote. If you on social media, everybody got a quote about something. We love a powerful quote. But what we forget sometimes, what we forget is often those powerful quotes and things that we post about were birthed out of great struggle, out of great adversity. I mean, you guys know a few examples of people who have said great things. You know, you have Dr. Martin Luther King who had his doctorate and lots of people were like, oh, you don't need to march around. You have your doctorate, you're gonna be fine. But he decided he wasn't gonna bow down to racism. He decided he wasn't gonna bow down. And then you have people like Rosa Parks who just sit in the back, you'll get there. Who cares about how you get there? Just sit in the back, be quiet, get to where you're going. But she decided not to sit down, but to stand up. And Abraham Lincoln, good old, good old Abe, he decided he wasn't going to bow down. And the great, the great quote, a house divided against itself will not stand. He decided he wasn't going to bow down to slavery. And so these great pieces, these great quotes are burst out of these times. But I do think that we forget what they were literally going through, the fire that they were walking through for these things to come out. In order to withstand the fiery furnace, we have to have a fiery faith. And I'm not declaring y'all gonna go through anything. But at some point in your life, you might go through one or two things. But if you have a fiery faith, and if you choose not to bow down to any other idol, I promise you, the Lord will do something you would have never believed. Y'all know it's interesting. 
<laughs> right here, my notes said, whoa, just got really blasted. <laughs> What's really interesting is when Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're standing there, and, and they know they're about to, to enter this fiery furnace. I wonder if they thought, like, we're not going to die. But even if we do, cool. We're, I mean, we're with God, awesome. But what's interesting to me, and this is probably going to push some of y'all's buttons, so forgive me, email me later. God didn't change the situation. God didn't let ice fall down in that furnace. He didn't bring rain. They didn't have like an individual cloud above them with water coming down as they walked in. God did not change the situation. What he did is he made them fireproof. And scripture says they were bound up, thrown into this furnace. What happened in the fire? They got free. They went in bound up, but they were free, and they were walking around. Some of y'all might feel like you're walking around in a fire. You might feel like you're walking around alone. But let me remind you, you are walking with the Son of God next to you. He has not left you. He does not forsake you. We might think in times that we are alone. We might, we might listen to lies and believe we're doing it by ourselves, but that's exactly what it is. It's a lie because your fourth man is with you. Last bit, and I'll close here. Verse 29 says, Therefore I make a decree, this is King Nebuchadnezzar, any people, nation, language, that others blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Y'all, that is hilarious. This is the same guy who said, oh, who's gonna save you? I'm gonna throw you into that. Who's gonna save? Literally, 10 verses before. And now, he sees with his eyes, there's a fourth man. I don't know what's happening, but they're not bound. They're walking around with what looks like the appearance of the Son of God. He says, come out, come up. He calls them out of the fire. The same guy that placed them in the fire calls them out of the fire. And guess what he does? He makes a decree. They get promoted they get elevated, and they get authority. I promise you, I've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it in my own life. You will never go through a fire without promotion. Somebody needs to hear this. You will never go through something without God doing something about it and promoting you out of it. Y'all know the verse that says, he, he prepares a table in front of my enemies? This is a great example. His enemies literally had to watch the favor of the Lord upon them because they chose not to bow down. And he makes an entire decree that no one will speak against your God for who can deliver like he did. I believe that as, how do I say the people around us that we want to see come to know Jesus, the close ones, you know, for a long time I heard, um, you know, you can't really lead your family to the Lord because you're too close. That's a lie of the enemy. But for those people around you, if they can just watch you, 
walk in freedom with the Father. And if they can just watch you choose not to bow down because of your money situation, haha, because of your family situation, <laughs> if they can just, if you can just let people see you walk in the fire, I promise you, your enemies will call you out and they will make a decree in their hearts. We've got to be a group of people that's fireproof. They were unashamed unafraid and unapologetic. Unashamed, unafraid, unapologetic. We don't give fire for fire. That's not who we are. But we also stand in a place knowing our foundation, and that's Christ Jesus. So I want to pray for, for folks right now. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel like there's maybe a, a married couple here I'm trying to think. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I mean, I guess you're welcome to if you want, but I'm not going to ask you to. But there, I feel like there's a married couple here. I feel like you've been married more than 10 years, and you're currently going through a situation, and I believe it's wrapped around finances. And just yesterday, you were talking about it. Just yesterday, you were looking at your account or some paperwork or something, I believe the Lord is saying, just trust me in this situation. Just trust that I'm in this. I literally saw his finger on the screen of your bank account. And he was literally moving things around. Yeah. Yeah, God, we just bless them, Father. We just thank you for them, Lord. I also feel like there's a college student. So what am I doing? Let me just explain really fast. The Lord was speaking to me. This morning, and then while I was preaching, and he was saying, you know what, Nicole, can you just highlight a few people that have come in here without hope and discouraged? And so all I'm doing, just like I talk to my husband, I talk to, to God, he tells me things, I tell him things, I'm just sharing what, what he's saying. Some people call this prophetic, I just call it relationship. Um, but I feel like there's a, uh, it's a female, your college student, second year, um, and there's been quite a fiery furnace in your family. Something's blown up. Something's gone crazy. Um, and, and, and you've been asking God to show himself in your family. And there's something tied to uh, like a, a dad and an uncle. Yeah, and the Lord is saying he's going to deliver your family of whatever it is that they're going through right now. If that actually makes sense to you, come find me afterwards. I have more that I don't want to share over the mic. But the Lord is on your family, and he's literally walking side by side with you to be an example to, to the dad and the uncle. Yeah, so Father, I just thank you. For these people, Jesus. God, I thank you for the new people that just joined us this morning. God, I just pray. Ah, God, I just pray covering over each person in this room, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you have made us fireproof. Father, I thank you that you walk with us, that we're not alone. God, that we're not bound up, Father. Lord, I thank you for the hope that you're instilling right now, Jesus. I just pray, I just declare today that everyone's hope tanks is just going to be so overflowing. You're going to be like the most hopeful little hoppy bunny around town. Like you, you're just going to be exploding with hope. So Father, just thank you for all that you're doing, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, God, and right now, Lord, I, I just pray that people 
would know the foundation that they, they stand on is true, and it is firm, and it is real. I just feel like there's somebody in here, and you're like, is this for real? It's real. He's real. It's, this, is, this is the realest thing you will ever encounter or have. This is the realest relationship. It's real. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, God, we just give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.